We are the table, and we are so glad you are taking time from your busy schedule to listen to this message. It is our hope that during the course of this message, you are inspired to move forward in life and faith. We welcome you, and thank you again for joining us. To be worthy of something. It means to have value, to have worth. We have to begin to see ourselves and understand, more importantly, we see ourselves as being worthy and, and valuable, but more importantly, we have to see ourselves as God does. And so I'm going to be sharing another account of Jesus Christ. Surprise, surprise. I'm going to be sharing another account with you where Jesus intervenes, where someone needs to see their value. Amen? So I'll be reading from the gospel according to Luke, starting in the seventh chapter, verse number 11 through 17. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Please follow along with me. I encourage you before I read every time, and if not every time, every other time, please take a picture of the scripture, notate the scripture, go read it all. I don't ever want to stand before you and talk and you take my word for it. We got to learn the discipline of reading the Bible for self. Because when you do, you'll discover other things and the Lord will show you other things. Amen? So you got the part of being able to see yourself in the text is putting yourself in the text. Amen? Amen. So Luke chapter 7 verses 11 through 17 and it reads, Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain. And a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village, as he approached the village gate. The young man who had died was a widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it. And the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Then the dead boy sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Then great fear swept the crowd. And they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Our scripture text that makes up our sermon title for today comes from verse 16. A mighty prophet has risen among us. This is the word of the Lord. It's already blessed. But I pray that you go back, read it again, and it blesses you a double portion. Our sermon title, Among Us. So let me give you a little bit of background. Last week, I shared with you some things that we need to take into context um, about the roles of mothers and fathers and children. Last week, we talked about a mother and her despair for not being able to have kids, which was very important in these days because 
that that was her primary role. But while the husband was out working and making a wage for the family, the children, it was their responsibility after mom equipped them and raised them up and they became strong enough, was to go out and work with the father to then bring income, bring goods, valuables, etc., to the family. So here we see a story of a widow. We see a woman who is bearing her son, but she's a widow. So that means what? That her husband is deceased. And now the Bible says that her only son is deceased. So it's clear that this woman not only is grieving the relationships in her lives, but it's safe to say that now she has no means of financial support. Can we just put it like this? She's down bad. She's grieving the loss of her husband. She's grieving the loss of her son. That is the way that they do the things that takes care of their family. So here she is. How am I going to sustain my life? And what am I going to do? But we see again in this passage yet another person who has no options. Anybody here ever felt like your options are few or none at all? If you're honest with yourself, I don't care who you are. I don't care how, how hard you work. I don't care how, how, how good of a hustler you are. I don't care how innovative you are, how ambitious you are. Sometimes life throws things at you that will have you absolutely helpless. We say things like, man, when it rains, it pours. I'm not picking up the phone because if I hear one more, piece of bad news, I'm going to lose it. I just got it together and that stupid check engine light. I just paid that off and here come tax time again talking about I owe him more money. This is how life works. If it ain't one thing, it's, it's another. So we see this lady here that is obviously going through some things. She doesn't know what she's going to do. She doesn't know how she's going to make it. And I would imagine that all she wants to do is get through this day. Could you imagine? Here we are, all these things going through her mind, and the funeral procession is starting, and the pallbearers are carrying her one and only son, and she has to be thinking, I just need to make it through this day. There's been plenty of days in my life like that, Lord, if I could just get through this, if I could just get through this meeting, if I could just make it through, hello? If I could just make it off this phone call, if I could just get out the bed, because we need him at every step. And if you haven't experienced that need, just live a little longer. Because you're going to find yourself calling on Jesus to do the simplest things. But here we are, this lady, she just, she just, I have to imagine, she just wants to make it through the day. And here's the thing. The Word of God says that Jesus was coming to this town and there were a crowd of people following him. But the Word also says that as the, profession was com the procession was coming through, that there was a crowd of people following the lady and her son. 
And this is interesting to me because despite this lady being from a small town, she was powerless. She didn't really have, the Bible doesn't say she had any like social influence. She wasn't nobody super important. You know, she wasn't somebody that had anybody advocating for her or speaking for her behalf or none of that. But yet the Bible records that Jesus sees her. I need to encourage you today to know in the midst of your lowest of places, without an advocate, without nobody speaking for you, when you feel like you're voiceless, when you feel like you're powerless, when you feel like everything is lost and there is nothing to gain, can I encourage you today that Jesus sees you? And this is important. It's important to be seen by Jesus. Being seen by Jesus ain't like being seen by the person with their with they camera in your face to just record your misery. That's different. When Jesus sees you, that means that there is something that is going to happen because guess what? Jesus can't be in a place where something doesn't happen to glorify his Father. Somebody should have said amen. Jesus can't go to places and just be. We can go into places and exist. We can even go into places to just be nosy. But Jesus don't do that. Jesus can't show up and just be like, eh. And that's something for us to be thankful for. Because in this moment, here is this woman, and, and Jesus sees her. Verse 13 says this, when the Lord saw her, his heart was what? Overflowed with compassion. See, many of us see people going through. We know we're going through because we know that they're going through because we can see it in the look in their eyes, the posture of their body, the tone of their voice. Hello, how are you? I'm, uh, well, but see, when Jesus sees you, he sees something much different. And the word says that when the Lord saw her, his heart was not just, he didn't have a little bit of compassion, but the word of God says it overflowed with compassion, and his words and instructions to her was, don't cry. I thought that was just interesting. I thought it was very interesting because we have to remember, compassion means that Jesus is feeling something about the way that you feel. You ever told somebody to knock it off before they make you cry? I'm, I'm going to preach this thing if it ain't nothing but for two people. You got to catch this. You got to catch this. Because he's overflowed, he sees something, and he tells her not don't cry, just don't worry, be happy. That ain't what he's saying. He's saying knock it off. I'm not crying, you crying. <laughs> you, you better, you, you, because, because he's, he's there, and he's like, look, I'm, I'm, I am God in the flesh. I got something to do, but I'm so caught up in the way that you feel, I can't even do what I'm supposed to do because I'm looking at how miserable you are. I'm trying to bring, I'm, listen to me, listen to me. You, know, you guys know, if it's not applicable, if you don't understand it, then you don't have the tools that you need to fight against your situation. But Jesus sees you, and what he sees is much different than what you see. This woman got all the reason in the world to be doom and gloom. And he knows it, and he meets her right there. Ooh, weed. Daughter, you down bad, sister. You down bad, and I'm, I'm aching, and I'm, I'm feeling these. Tell me, look, don't 
cry because when I see you cry, I just want to cry. But here, you've got to take note of this. For us, the problem will stop us right in our tracks. The problem stops us but activates Jesus. The problem is where Jesus does his best work in the problem. See, we, that stops our whole program. Things not going white, boom, we got to stop. We dead in our tracks. We can't get out to bed. We can't eat. We can't go to work. We go to work, can't work, get mad at work, got to go home, can't do nothing. The kids walking around, mama, daddy, I'm so hungry. And you down bad and can't do nothing. Kids been eating pizza rolls for two weeks. Get your act together. Because I'm not saying I'm not saying it to be funny. I'm telling you because I done been there. I done been so busy and so tired and so worked that I couldn't wait till these kids can get up and make their own pancakes. Leave me alone this Saturday morning. True story. True story. I used to sit things on the lowest shelf in the refrigerator for Audrey. The lowest shelf down there. I used to tell her, Baby, if you get up before mama and daddy do, go in the refrigerator. She confused now because I've been telling her for years, stay out the refrigerator. But see, now I need some rest. You got to go in the refrigerator. You're going to look right in front of you. You're going to see a little half cup of milk. You're going to see all a little, little bowl. It got a little bit of cereal. It's just enough. So if she spill it, it ain't too much. They can't wait till I get up. One morning, Audrey went to the refrigerator. She come out, and she got something in her mouth. And she said, Daddy, this apple nasty. I said, apple? What apple? The child eating a red bell pepper. <laughs> True story. True story. What I'm trying to get you to understand is you're going to have your moments where life got you down bad to a point where you don't want to do nothing, and everybody got to fend for themselves. Here we are. Here we are. The problems will stop us, but just in those moments of those low places, just in those spaces is where Jesus does his best work. See, he and his touch, his touch, his touch can stop what we think is inevitable. The funeral is proceeding. The pallbearers are carrying the casket. Everybody's in grief. Everybody's in mourning. The crowd is following. The woman is grieving. Jesus sees her, filled with compassion for her. The Bible records that he touches the coffin. Because the inevitable thing is, while we're proceeding, we're taking the body to the place that it's going to be buried. That's inevitable. We wouldn't be having this funeral if somebody wasn't going to be buried. But see, he's, his touch changes everything. And, a, and the Word of God says that he touches the casket. See, when Jesus is involved, the burial will have to wait because there is more to the story. You've got to understand that in those moments of your situations being dead and down and out, when Jesus gets involved, that's your indication that there's more to the story. But you've got to decide you want something and a different ending for your story. 
See, that's the thing. That's the thing. And it's tricky because we, 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 we want God to intervene. But if we true to ourselves and we watch the things that come out of our mouths, sometimes it's almost like we invite the continued doom. If you're not careful, your words have power. We even talked about this before. You will mess around and like if you're not careful about it, you are speaking into existence, continued doom and gloom. So how could you also, how could you say I want Jesus to do something and I want to see some things change? How can you say that but then the same breath, the very next breath, the very next time you sit down and say, well, I guess I just better get used to it. That don't make sense. Because where Jesus is, things have to change. Here he is. Jesus, he stands among us, but he does not see what we see. Interestingly enough, I told you there are crowds that are following him. There are crowds that are following this lady. Here's the pallbearers. They got the boy lifted high. They walking with him, taking him to the grave. It's inevitable that they're going to put him down into the grave. And the crowd was gathered. And I would imagine, like in most funeral processions, the crowd is there because they want to pay their respect to the dead. Sometimes the crowd is there because they don't even know the dead, but they know the person who's impacted by the dead. Right? So you have people in a crowd that are there to either support or they're there to be there to support the lady, to support the one grieving. But then I told you that there's two crowds, one that's following the lady and then another that's following Jesus. And you got to understand that there are multiple crowds of people who follow Jesus too. Some of the people are following Jesus just to see if he actually is Jesus. In other words, there are people who follow Jesus, or shall I even say, follow you as a Jesus follower, because they want to see how the mess in your life is worked out by Jesus and your attitude toward Jesus until it actually gets worked out. This is what happens. This is, so here you go. You got people that are here simply because they want to take note of what you do and how your Jesus is going to fix this mess. Then you got people that are following in faith saying, ooh, we, I just got to see how my God going to work this one out because he's sure going to work it out. But understand, at every instance, there are more than one kind of person that's following Jesus. And more importantly, beloved, there's more than one kind of person that's following you. You better start learning the difference between the people who right there watching, waiting for your demise. And the ones that's right there watching, waiting on Jesus to do the thing, and they walking in faith alongside you so they can celebrate, high-five, and break dance when you get your blessing. But see, you got to know the difference. See, the Word of God says that you, 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 you need to understand this. They are carrying this body, and you got to remember, anybody in here ever been a pallbearer? I will tell you, I've been a pallbearer one too many times. And it don't get no easier no matter who's in it, but that thing is heavy. Real talk, if you've, ever, if you've ever done it, it's heavy. 
It's heavy, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I just got a dark and twisted mind sometimes, but I'm thinking the whole time, don't drop this thing. Don't, no, I'm serious. If you ever done it, don't you drop this thing. Don't you drop this thing. That thing is heavy. You hear me? It is heavy. But here is the interesting thing. I told you, when Jesus comes into dead situations, there are some things that have to change. I'm here to tell you and encourage you today, you better stop carrying dead weight. You got to stop carrying the dead weight. Wait, what do I mean by that? I'm telling you, when you are carrying something that is lifeless, that is there, and it ain't, it's just laying there, and it's just being, it is so heavy. It is awful. If you ever tried to carry somebody who passed out, or that's just out of, out unconscious, have you, I'm convinced that's when you know to stop carrying your child. Y'all laughing, I'm serious. When it's a baby, when it's, it's so cute, you put them on. At some point, every parent in here that had this moment, we say, look, man, you need to hold on or something. Because you just hanging on, you just being around me to hang on my neck, to pull me down, hurt my back, you hurting my neck, I can't walk, I can't move, it's icy outside, I'm a slip and fall messing around with you, better wrap your legs around, you better hold on to me, you better do something because you're too heavy to be climbing on me for no reason at all. I'm trying to help you today. You got to stop carrying this dead weight. Here we are. The text says this, Jesus touched the casket and he spoke to the boy and the dead boy sat up and he began to talk. You need to know when Jesus is in your dead situation, you can't sit there and don't just lay there. Don't just lay there. I know how you feel. I know how you feeling when you're down. All you want to do it's just lay there. You want the time to pass. You want the sun to shine. You're hoping that, well, I'll try it again tomorrow. You just want to lay there. I'm trying to tell you, don't just lay there. He is calling you to get up. You got to get up from the place that you lay. You got to understand your current position is not the least you could do is sit up. If you're not going to get up, at least sit up. Say something. Say something. He wants you to say something so he knows if he hear you, you hear him. You can't just lay there. Because if you're going to lay there, you might as well have six pallbearers ready to take you to six feet under. Might as well. What's the point? Because what's going to happen is inevitable. You're going to lay there. You got no faith. You got no hope. And you got people carrying you that's just trying to get you into the hole. The least you could do to show, you know what? It ain't over. I can sit up and I can say something. He don't care what you say, but you say something. He, the word don't even say he listened to what the boy said. All he know, he said, look, you sit up. The boy sat up, started talking. Who knows what he said, but he talking. Long as he, he did. One thing you know when he starts talking, he ain't dead no more. 
I'm trying to help you today. You got to realize in them situations, because at least if you sit up, you're responsive. Man, I think about those moments being in hospital rooms with people, in hospital beds with people, and they're sitting there and they're lifeless. And you sit there and you're just waiting for a sign for something to turn around. And how important, oh, how crazy it is when they sit up and raise how crazy it is when all of a sudden that person who has not said anything at all, all of a sudden they get to chattering. You don't know what they're saying. You might not even be able to make out the words. But the fact that they done sat up, lifted up their head, and you move that hospital, and it take real slow, real fast, and they finally they sit up and you say, Mama, what you saying? They say something. You don't know what. You don't care. You just say, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because that is a sign of life. To change your position, you need to know, you need to know that when you're down and out, he's still able to bring life. But you can't see it if your head is down. You can't see what the Lord is doing if your head is down. How you going to see it? You down here like this all the time. You got your hands in your all the time. Here he is at work. Here he is doing something. But you can't see it because your head down. Can I tell you like this? Real simple. Chin up. Real simple. Chin up. Pick your head up. I don't care what you're going through. You better learn. Wait a second. I ain't got no answers, but my God do. So no matter what it is, I got the I don't I don't care if you got to walk around like this. It looks silly. But when somebody asks you, what are you doing? I'm I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I can barely hold my own head up. So come here, let me see your hand. You can hold it up for me. Because a real friend would. I'm, I'm just trying to be honest with you. A real friend would. A real believer would. They would help to remind you, look, you got to put your chin up. We'll bow our heads to pray, and as soon as you're done praying, you put your head up. Because you got to be up on a swivel. You got to look. You got to see. What is the Lord doing? If you're looking down, you will miss it. You need to know. God knows. Oh, man, this, is, this, this one right here made me do a little dance. I ain't going to do it with y'all, though. My dance is two things. There's more than two that I won't share with y'all, but these two specifically I will not share with y'all. That's my singing and my dancing. None of y'all business. <laughs> it's none of y'all business, all right? But this is what you need to know. God only knows how to be God. What? God only knows how to be God. So if you're expecting anything other from God, you're going to be disappointed. Because you could be asking for God. You could be asking God for something that is outside of his will. It's outside of his timing. It's outside of the solution that he has for you. It's outside of your purpose. It is outside of his intention for you. 
And while you sitting there waiting for, asking for, begging for, looking for, now I got it, I got it, Pastor. I'm up. I got to sit up. I done sat up. I said you let you know I'm, I'm paying attention. My chin is up. I'm looking. But you're looking for what you want. See, God only knows how to be God. So when things are turned over to him, you got to expect that the solution is going to be something that aligns with him. It has to be something that's going to align in what he has for you. It's going to be something, it may be something for a purpose that you haven't even discovered yet for yourself. But you need to drop the dead weight because that can't come with you into the season he's trying to bring you into. So here you is, you, you, you need to know that when God is being God as he always is, he is doing God things. Where God is, God things are happening. Lord have mercy. Where God is, God's things are happening. The flip side of that is where God is not, God things ain't happening. So you got to ask yourself, this is where that accountability comes in. Well, wait a second. I was down. I am fighting back. I am keeping my chin up. I am working hard. But wait a second. What is happening that nothing is changing? Could it be that where you are, who you're surrounding for, what you're looking for, the change in the people that you, maybe it's supposed, you're supposed to let all of that go and start new the way he wants you to start. Where God is, God things are happening. Verse 16 says, great fear swept the crowd, and they praised God, saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people today. I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to have days where I can say, you know what, I felt God here with me. I want, I want to get to a place, you ought to get to a place, you should want to be at a place where you can say, not a day went by that God was not with me where I was. Seriously. Because here's the thing about the kind of relationships that we have with God. It, it has to be different than the way that we do things with other people. I felt so bad. Somebody told me something the other day, and they was telling me about somebody who, who had been sick and we hadn't seen in church for a while. And I said, you know what? I was just talking to them the other day on text message. I said, I just sent them a message the other day, and I went back to my text messages. And the last time I talked to this person was before Christmas. But I swore in my mind I had just talked to them the other day. I think I might have even said it like, no, I, I just talked to them the day before yesterday. But it was before Christmas. See, I know there's somebody in this room that, that will tell us, I was just thinking about you. I was just getting ready to call you. I was just, and then you look back and you see the text message you started typing but never sent. Or you had all the intention in the world to make a connection with that person. And days, weeks, and even months have gone by. 
since your last contact. See, we can't have our relationship with God be like that. That we think that we're closer than we are. And the last time you actually talked to God was days, weeks, months, and even years ago. He desires something much greater for us than that. And I remember growing up, listening about and listening to scripture and people saying, you have to fear the Lord, fear the Lord. And, and, and so when I look at verse 16, it, it's kind of, it, it's a little bit strange if you ever had the same kind of confusion I did. Great fear swept the crowd, but they praised. Fear and praise don't seem to go together to me. And I didn't really quite understand what people meant when they said we to fear the Lord. But to fear is to reverence or to prioritize, to be in awe, like in amazement of something. Like that you stop dead in your tracks because the amazement of something, not because you're scared of it. But to really understand the awe and submission, the deity of who God is. Because when we acknowledge who God is, then we can praise him for what he's doing. I have to imagine there were many people that were just freaked out. Remember, I told you there were two kinds of people in the crowd. Two kinds of people in both crowds. I would have to imagine when this man come up, touch a casket, tell a dead man, sit up and start talking, that, that people, I mean, people like, what? Some people. I would imagine said, oh, no, I'm out of here. This is crazy. And I know there's some other people that would have been like, ooh, well, they running, I'm running too. We'll figure out why we running later. But I ain't finna sit here and play somebody. And then you had other people that just probably start shouting, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Praise be to the Most High King. Hallelujah. Because they realized in that moment and it gave them such such, such, it was just so good to them that they got to experience that Jesus show up and the power and authority of life that Jesus has, they saw it happen and they started to realize, oh my God, we have just witnessed a miracle. We have just seen something amazing. This is incredible. I have encountered Jesus for myself. I have encountered the power of God for myself. Hallelujah. And I remember, I would imagine that there were people that were screaming and shouting hallelujah and the people who were screaming because they were scared, they took off running and got out of Dodge, but in the moment there was a shout because of what Jesus was doing right there. And it wasn't just for the dead man. Catch this. It wasn't just for the dead boy. It wasn't just for the lady who was grieving and now all of a sudden what she was worried about is gone. But for all the people in the crowd who were watching became witnesses to the most high God whose son he gave for us for living and breathing to walk and die and be crucified and resurrected. They saw it and in amazement. So as Jesus is working, I told you, Jesus things are happening wherever Jesus is and we see three different people encounter a different power of God the Father right in the same space. So as I stand before you today, I ask you this, what will it take for you to recognize that God is among God's people? 
what will it take in your life? What will it take for you, like these crowds of people, like this woman who was down and out, like this son who is now brought back to life, what will it take for you to recognize that God is among us and God is among his people and you are worthy to experience and witness the magnificence of Jesus Christ. What is it going to take? What is it going to take? Wherever you are in this story, whoever you are, whatever role, what is it, what is it going to take? Does he have to bring you back to life? Sit you up and command you to talk and stop laying there doing nothing? Are you going to have to be down and out and have nothing at all? Heartbroken? With no means of any type of sustainability? Is he going to have to meet you there? Or you can, are you going to just be a witness and believe in him because of what you've witnessed and seen him do for others? But at some point, you got to respond. At some point, you have to respond. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this week's message. We pray it moves you forward in your relationship with Jesus. If you are looking for a church home or in the area and want to visit, we are located at 1451 Black Road in Joliet, Illinois. You can also find and follow us by searching The Table Joliet online. We'd love to meet you and walk your faith journey with you. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you soon.